right, come on, everybody. Aren't you glad to be at church today? Man, I'm glad you're here. All of those tuning in online, welcome again. We're so glad you're tuned in with us. Go ahead and pull out your notes from your worship guide. Now, listen, I know that some of you walked in today. Maybe you're new here, and you, uh, with every good intention, you're trying to do a little bit better this holiday season. You passed up some really good stuff, all right? And so I just want to remind you, all month long, we're going to be passing out some Christmas cakes and uh, lots of fun goods and stuff throughout the Christmas season. We believe we just it's a value here. We like to have fun in church, and uh, we do. We pray over these. So while you're here, uh, we don't don't believe there's any carbs in these things, okay, uh, while you're here. Now, what happens when you walk out of here and the scale next week, that's on y'all, okay? That's your own prayer life, okay? Uh, this one here. And so I want to encourage you. Now, maybe some of you passed one up. Anybody passed one up this morning? You're like, mm, oh, right there. I see. Here you go, buddy. Come on. There you go. Right there. That's for you. I knew it, man. I knew somebody was like, no, oh, I don't think I need one. Yes, you do. You need three or four. And let me tell you another reason why you need them, because you're probably not going to find them the month of December in Shelby County, because we got them all. <laughs> all right? We had, to, we had to go to Hueytown this week to get, to get some Christmas cakes because, man, these things are a hot commodity come Christmas season, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun this this uh, December. All right, go ahead and pull your notes out. We're in a series kicking off today uh, titled Sweet Baby Jesus. Now, I know some of y'all, you know what you think of, right, when you when you hear that title. Uh, I do too, okay? Uh, and I'll tell, I'll tell you a story about uh, Brandon Matthews and myself. Back when we were in student ministry, uh, we decided we were going to take, um, we took, uh, I don't know, 75, 80 kids uh, in our vehicles and a bunch of vehicles. We all went to a drive-in movie theater uh, for Talladega Nights. That started playing, and we were like, huh. Wonder what these parents are gonna say when we get back, and they had their their kids start quoting some of these these uh, these lines. That was exciting, right? Uh, things you just don't know. You don't know till you know. You know what I mean? Uh, and so today we're going to kick off this series. And why are we talking about that? If you've got your notes, um, turn to, I mean, uh, the, the theme verse at the top, Matthew chapter 1. Maybe you've got a Bible you can turn there. This is our theme verse. As he considered this, Joseph, as he considered what was going on, uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's an incredible, incredibly powerful verse. You know, there's two times a year as, as a pastor, I've been doing this a long time, and there's two times a year that it doesn't matter what we do. Like, there's no way, like, we're not pulling the wool over your eyes. You know, every Easter, we're going to talk about the resurrection. Every Christmas, we're going to talk about the Christmas story, right? Like, you know what's coming. And uh, today, specifically, we're, we're kicking off a series. Why do we call it Sweet Baby Jesus? Because we talk through the Christmas story every year, but specifically this year, I want to talk to you and from, from the baby's point of view, from the life of Jesus. And you read this theme verse and you go, what was that's actually happening here? It says Joseph um, uh, was a righteous man, right? Like we know, like, like, like Jesus was given, like he, she's born of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. It's officially the Christmas season, and we're going to dive in. Come on. We got Christmas parties, family gatherings, small group gatherings, work gatherings, ball team gatherings, community gatherings, local church gatherings, 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 gatherings. I mean a lot, right? Y'all going to have more sausage balls in the next 30 days. 
you know, and, and Christmas tree cakes. I mean, you're going to be ready, you know, when, once it's time for the new year. You know, one of the reasons I think everybody loves the new year so much is because you do, like, all of this coming all month long. Like, it's the Christmas season. Like, this month, we're going to talk about it, right, the Christmas story. We're going to talk about it, but I want to talk to you specifically about why today, why God chose of all the ways he could have chose to enter into the world. Of all the ways he could have brought salvation to mankind, I think, I mean, just me here spitballing, Lord, it would have been a lot easier for you to communicate the gospel to the masses in 2023. You know what I mean? I mean, we got, we've got social media and modern technology, and it's a lot easier to get, the, to get like the message out and with much less energy. Why would you not have chosen a much easier path? Why would you have chosen what you chose? Why a, a baby, a, an innocent baby born in Bethlehem thousands of years ago? Uh, like, what is the reason? We know that the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus, did you know that it fulfilled over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament? 300 plus prophecies. There was a study done uh, on the mathematical probability that Jesus was actually the Christ. And over the, out of those 300 plus prophecies, they only took 48 of them. They said, let's just take 48 and see the mathematical probability that this is even a possibility. And it was concluded that out of just the 48 prophecies that they studied and that they looked, that the probability of that actually happening is 10 to the 157th power to one. That's 10 with 157 zeros behind it. Mathematically, what they would say is mathematically impossible. It's an impossibility that even 48 of those things would have just happenstance happened. But it did, and Jesus did, and it was recorded, and it was documented that he fulfilled all of those prophecies. So why, if that's the case, would the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, creator of the universe, the, like take off his deity, put on skin to the point of uh, like extreme poverty even, and like become a man and this innocent, helpless baby born to a nobody family from the backside of Nazareth? Why would Jesus do that? Why would God do that. We know, uh, like it says this, it says uh, in Nathaniel, when they finally, somebody said, oh, I think I found the Messiah. You know what they said? He's from Nazareth? Nah, man, you're, you're mistaken. No, nothing good come from that town. Come on, anybody been there? You know some small towns, you're like, nothing good's ever come from there. That was what was spoken over Jesus. God, why would you, of all the things and in the world, why would that be it? Well, I, I've got a hypothesis I want to share with you. There's a pretty incredible passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 4. It's not in your notes. It'll be on the screens. You can notate it. Write it down. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 says this. It says, well, we don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. I love the way the message puts it. It says, he's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all, all but the sin." There's nothing that we have gone through in this world that Jesus hasn't experienced. Why would he take on the form of humanity and the lowest possible form, even in his day and age? Why would he do that? I believe it's this. I believe so that there wouldn't be ever a place or a person in history, a person on this earth who could say, he just don't understand me. 
And I know there's some of you in the room that you, you hear that and you go, well, yeah, that sounds good, but man, you don't know the life that I've lived and you don't know the stuff that I've walked through. I may not, but I can tell you that the Bible reminds us that there is nothing that any of us would have ever walked through on this earth that Jesus hasn't intimately walked through. One translation says he get, not only does he get it, he sympathizes with every weakness that you and I have. Even when nobody in your life understands, even when nobody in your circle can comprehend, Jesus gets it on a very intimate level. Did you know this? Literally every other God ever thought of, ever, ever uh, feasible, feasibly thought of in the world, like every other religion says that we, humanity, have to figure out a way to get to him. Like get to that deity. We'll never mount up to that. Only, only the God of the universe, only the God that we serve, only him said, I know they'll never get to me, so I'm going to get to them. He took on, he laid down his deity, he became humanity so that he could empathize and sympathize with every weakness in our life. He gets us. So today, I want to take a look at the very beginning of the Christmas story, and I want to walk through Matthew chapter 1 and parts of Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 2, and we're going to walk through some very real ways that I think Jesus empathizes with us and remind us that we don't have a high priest who doesn't understand. So let's pray, and we'll dive into our notes, all right? Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. It's alive and breathing. It's for us. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus. God, that through your word today, we don't just mark it as another Sunday, but God, we're inspired to live our life on purpose in a way that honors you today. My hope, my greatest desire is that every one of us walk out of a worship experience today, God, feeling and knowing that we have been seen by you, that only you can bring life change in our lives. God, you'll get all the credit for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, write this down. Jesus, he gets, he understands our family dysfunction. Come on, anybody ever, like anybody know anything about dysfunction in your family, right? Uh, I know lots about it. We put the dis and the function in all of it, all right? I think the word was created for like the DOS family uh, at some point in some way. And Jesus understands it. Y'all know he was born into a pretty incredibly dysfunctional situation. Check this out, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Can I tell you in layman's terms what that means? Joseph thought she was a liar. <laughs> he said, I don't believe a word you say, born of the Holy Spirit. You see, we get the narration. We get to read this and we get to see what actually happened. Joseph got it from her mouth. No, 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 jo Joseph, I promise it's not what it looks like. You see, I had this, an angel visited me, an angel. And he told me what, I was, what was gonna happen and that I was gonna be the mother of the son of God. Joseph, that means you get to be a stepdad. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> Y'all know Joseph was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Like he understands, like this, he, was, he was a righteous man. He didn't believe a word she said, but he was nice. So he was going to put her away silently. How would you respond if all of the sudden uh, someone you were engaged to gets pregnant and all of the sudden they come to you with this like pretty outlandish idea that it was of the Holy Spirit and like God was all over this and you just need to like fall in line and obey. Like you would do the same thing. 
Some of y'all probably wouldn't have done it like Joseph said he was going to do it. Some of y'all would have been very public on Facebook <laughs> of what you thought about the situation and circumstance. But Joseph, man, like it was this very, this, that, like there was scandal. The gospel of Matthew tells us that it was through the power of the Holy Spirit, but they didn't get that narration. So all they had was the, vo- the, the word of the woman who was pregnant. Come on, it'd be hard to believe for you too. It, it, it was a scandal. There was stuff. Not only was that the situation, not only was she pregnant out of wedlock, but history tells us that she was most likely 13 or 14 years old. In modern day terms, she would, be, would have been a star on MTV's Teen Moms. Scandal like dysfunction. Not only would she have probably been a perfect candidate for that television show, uh, she was the, the town that they were from, Nazareth, they say had it was a population of roughly 400 to 500 people. Y'all know there ain't no gossip like, like gossip in a small town, right? Like they're like, everybody knows. Everywhere they went, anywhere they, any, if they went outside the home, you know that they were the topic of conversation day in and day out. Jesus understood dysfunction. They understood what it was like to walk through controversy. Jesus understood a blended family. Jesus understood small town gossip. He understood having step siblings who no doubt had some kind of complex. Come on, anybody else ever been told, I wish you were more like your brother? Nobody carried the weight like James did. I mean, his brother was the son of God right? Like somehow Mary knew later in life that Jesus could perform miracles because she was the one who told him to turn water to wine. Like somehow, like I know at some point there was the temptation to remind the siblings of who Jesus was. Like he understood, did y'all know he understood having to walk through life with a single mother? Scripture reminds us that, you know, history tells us and theologians tell us that Joseph is no longer mentioned roughly after Jesus is 12 years old. Joseph is no longer in the picture. And many people think that he passed away sometime between then and the time he started his ministry. Jesus understood what it was like to have a single mom. He understood what it was like to walk through controversy. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've always looked at the Christmas story as like this beautiful picture, this beautiful thing of angels singing and, uh, and shepherds in the field and wise men coming to celebrate. And maybe you thought it was this beautiful thing that with a bow tied on top, but it was actually in the moment very controversial. And maybe uh, your story isn't as perfect as what you thought theirs was, and so you've always kind of found it hard to relate to the Christmas story. Maybe you come from a broken home. Maybe your parents have been divorced. Maybe there's like steep addiction in your home and in your family. Maybe there's abuse, dysfunction. Well, Jesus, y'all, he wasn't born in this perfect family. He, they didn't have everything planned out and everything perfectly put together. He was born to teenage parents who most likely were the topic of all the gossip every time, every circumstance, and every situation. He understands dysfunction. Some of you, I believe, have probably struggled to fit in in a local church. You've probably struggled to fit in to like Christianity. You know why? Because I think of all the things that we are good at at a local church, all the things that Christians are good at, we're really good at putting on a mask. We're really good at letting people think we've got it all put together. We're really good at, at on the outside portraying everything is okay while on the inside being full of dysfunction. 
On the outside, thinking everything is great while on the inside, dying. So many people, one of the greatest examples in, our, in my generation uh, was Robin Williams. Anybody remember the great, uh, the great uh, actor? Incredible. The Bible, uh, the, 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 all the people that knew him say that he was the, the, the life of every party that he made everybody smile, that he was always cheering people up. Nobody knew. It was actually an incredible surprise when he took his own life because nobody knew he was as dysfunctional and in, and in so much pain as he was. Nobody knew he was walking through so much darkness because he just never told anybody. Maybe you're here today and you're really, really good at putting it on a face, but in reality, your life is full of dysfunction. I want you to know today that Jesus sees you. He empathizes with you. He sympathizes with you. You know why? Because he's walked through it. Because there's nothing that you've experienced, no emotion that you felt that he didn't feel. There's not an amount of loneliness that you would feel in your life that in some way Jesus never felt it. There's not a temptation of sin in your life that in some way, at some point, Jesus wasn't tempted with it. Jesus was born where he was born and walked through what he walked through because he needed to know us intimately. And so Jesus sees the dysfunction in all of our lives in a very intimate way. Number two, if you want to write this down, he sees our financial instability. He gets it. Jesus understood it. More than anybody understood it. I listened to this in Luke chapter two. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born in Bethlehem. She gave birth to her firstborn son. Listen to this. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, historically, we've all uh, probably uh, read this scripture and we've probably seen Christmas cantatas that there was just no room for them at the end, that people had gotten there uh, before them. And, and it's really easy for us to empathize with that. And families, anybody ever run late all the time? Huh? Like, like you just like, like y'all have, y'all can empathize with no, with like not being on time. I mean, this was a, there was a census going on. It was going to be an overcrowded situation. Y'all know if that's possible, if that was the case that Joseph was like, I'm going to be on the donkey. You just come on. I'll be like, like just Please, we're going to be late. If we get there and there's not a room. <laughs> y'all been there. I, you said that. Like, like could have been. Y'all know what I really think? I think there was no room for them at the end because there were people willing to pay more money than they had. You see, there was a census going on. There was lots of people in town. There was a pretty popular time to be in Bethlehem. And there probably wasn't a, a whole bunch of hotels just sitting around, inns just sitting around. And they probably got there, and there were probably an infinite amount of people who just had more resource than they had. Well, say, Brandon, how do you really know that? Well, let's look. Luke chapter 2 says it this way. It says, when it, after he was born, then it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents, Joseph and Mary, took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required of the law of the Lord. Listen to what it says. Either a pair of turtle doves or two turtle pigeons. What are they saying? If you go back and read the law, this was an offering of the poor. This was an offering of the least of these. This offering was set aside, scheduled through the, through the law for people who just couldn't produce a ram, who couldn't produce a lamb, who didn't have the resources to offer what people would consider an appropriate offering. 
And so of all the people coming to the temple that day, I'm sure there were other babies born around the time that Jesus was born. I'm sure the hospital would have been full and there are plenty of people offering other things. And along comes Mary and Joseph and they're offering, they're offering a small offering, the offering of the poor. You see, Jesus understood what it was like to be poor. He understood what it was like to be born and laid in a feeding trough most likely because they couldn't afford anything else. He would have known what it felt like to not have, to not dress like others were at school, to miss out on birthday gifts and Christmas gifts. He knew, he would have known what it was like to feel awkward the day after summer in the first day of school and all the other kids are talking about all of the cool things they did in summer and the beach trips that they took and the Disney World trips that they took only to know I've never experienced any of those things because we couldn't afford it. Because my mom and my dad, we just never did those things. So to, to make up those realities in your own mind, in your own head, he understood what it was like to walk that feeling. I think it's a reason in, in, in Luke chapter 21, there's a famous story where Jesus sees the widow's might. Y'all remember that? And, and there's, there's all standing around and lots of people are bringing pretty extravagant gifts to the temple. And Jesus was able to recognize what nobody else recognized, that there was a, a, a very poor widow and she put in two small mites. And he asked his disciples, who do y'all think gave the most? And they go, oh, man, I know who gave the most, the guy who had the biggest bag. That was a lot of money. He goes, no, 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 you don't understand. Y'all don't understand sacrifice like I do. Y'all don't understand what it's like to be food insecure. Y'all don't understand what it's like to have a mama that says, do I pay the power bill today or do I buy groceries this week? You see, Jesus understood that on a very intimate level. That's why he was able to see what nobody else could see. You see, Jesus understands your emotions this Christmas season. Did you know I met with our mayor in Columbiana and in Alabaster a few weeks ago? And Shelby County is the largest county in the state of Alabama. It is one of the wealthiest counties in the state of Alabama. Did you know both mayors both said the same thing at separate times, that food insecurity is a large problem at both of our cities. Uh, Alabaster alone, 40% of the kids that go into our schools are food insecure. They qualify for reduced lunches or free lunches. And you would look around and you would never notice or recognize that's what it is if you don't know what you're looking for. But there are people all around us who understand on an intimate level what it's like to not have enough. Often Christmas season for so many people is just a great reminder of what it looks like to not have enough. What it feels like to know on a deep level of what I didn't get to accomplish this year. Of what I, uh, of just knowing how much your family really is struggling. Can I tell you the first Christmas wasn't wrapped in fanfare, y'all. The first Christmas didn't, like Mary and Joseph, like they didn't have the privilege to walk around with a little gun uh, in the baby shower uh, season and, and go to all the stores and, and scan the most expensive items in hopes that somebody would give them a cool baby shower. They didn't get that privilege. Because remember, they were born in dysfunction. They were the topic of conversation. Matter of fact, most people thought probably looked down on them. They wouldn't want to help them even if it was an opportunity to help them. Not only that, but they didn't even have the resource to do any of those things. There was no design diapers. Jesus was wrapped in dirty rags and laid in a feeding trough, probably full of slobber from a donkey that just ate. He understood what it was like to not have enough. I love this one, number three. You want to write this one down? Jesus 
fully understood what it was like to have fear. He understood fear of tomorrow. He understood not knowing what the next thing was going to be around the corner. After the wise men were gone, they came to worship Jesus after his birth. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up! Flee to Egypt. Flee, y'all. Flee. Expediently. Get up, get out. Don't waste time. With the child and his mother, the angel said, stay here until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. That night, Joseph left Egypt with his child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. Most likely stayed there a few years. Think about being a mom and having to tell your son to look over his shoulder every time he walked out of the house. We know that it was a dangerous circumstance and a dangerous situation because just a few verses later, it says that Herod put out a decree to kill within a certain radius, a certain area, to kill every single firstborn child two years, or, uh, or two years old or younger. Thousands of babies were murdered looking for Jesus. You think they didn't live in fear? You think they didn't live with anxiety? You think that until like they got word that, that Herod was dead, that literally every day that Jesus got out of their sight, that Mary wasn't freaking out? I know we look at when he was 12 years old. Y'all know that famous story where Mary and Joseph lose the son of God, you know? Like, that's a big one, you know? Like, I've lost my kids before. That ain't Jesus, you know what I mean? <laughs> but can you imagine the anxiety of Mary and Joseph knowing all of the danger he was in, that they couldn't find him? They understood fear. They understood what it was like to not know what was going to happen next. Maybe your fear is not quite like that, but maybe your fear today is that, is my marriage actually going to make it? Are we going to make it another year? Are we going to make it another six months? Are my kids actually going to straighten up? Man, are they actually going to get their act together? Am I ever actually going to overcome this addiction? I'm going to tell you I'm scared to death because I take four steps forward and 12 steps back. And I just don't know how I'm ever actually going to overcome this thing. Is depression actually going to win this time? Are you ever actually going to overcome that mental illness? If you're a teenager today, am I ever actually going to be able to live up to my parents' expectations? Am I ever actually going to be able to live up to culture around me, to society around me? It's overwhelming. It makes it hard to breathe sometimes. I legit have fear of tomorrow. Is my 401k going to be enough? Is Social Security going to get me through to retirement? What if I, I, don't have a life, I don't have good life insurance? What happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? If you allow life to do it, you can live your life in un, like literal uncontrollable fear. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, y'all. He's good at it. He's really good at it. And that's why God took off his deity. And that's why he was born, sweet baby Jesus, in the backside of Bethlehem from a nobody town to a nobody family so that he could empathize and sympathize with your every fear and need and, 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 and worry in life. Jesus knows it on an intimate level. And I love the verse in Hebrews 4. We don't have a high priest who doesn't understand. He gets it fully. And y'all know what else it says? Read it with me. It's on the screen. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. When we don't understand the greatest, Jesus is there. You need to know today that the Christmas story, it was a rescue story. It wasn't sweet baby Jesus. 
He was the king of kings, putting on, putting on our humanity to empathize and sympathize with us. Y'all know this. Listen, he walked through everything that, that has wrecked us, and it didn't wreck him. And it didn't mess him up. He walked through it. And now the Bible reminds us that he is at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf and my behalf. He empathizes. He looks down and goes, hey, God, I understand. I know you don't, I know this don't look, I understand how hard that was because I walked through it. I understand how devastating that depression, I, I, I was there. I can feel it. I can empathize. I can sympathize. The Bible says it this way. He reminds us in, he, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble. I'm gentle at heart. You'll find rest for your souls. Listen to this. Let this sink in. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I'm talking to the person right now who feels such a weight on their shoulders, who feels such a weight on their life. I want you to know today that is not the weight of Jesus. If you feel that weight, come to Jesus. His burden's light. You're walking through, some, you're walking through stuff and you've been believing a lie of the enemy that nobody gets you, that nobody understands you. First of all, I want you to know that you're not alone, that you're not by yourself. You can look around here at any given moment, at any given time through, uh, at Cultivate Church or any other local church on earth. You know what the difference between a faithful believer and follower of Jesus is and anybody else? The blood of Jesus. That's it. That's all. We are all broken people walking through hard, difficult things because it rains on the just and the unjust. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy everybody. Nobody gets a free pass. He likes to destroy everything. But Jesus, come on, Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. Y'all, he understands you more than you could dream or imagine. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you right now where you are. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you're online tuning in. I just want to invite you into a, a holy moment. This is the question I want you to ask. Just right where you are in your seat, you would ask, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do with this? What do I need to do with your word today? Maybe you're here today, and man, you struggled with the Christmas story for a lot of time, a long time. It's hard to relate. Hard to relate to the shepherds sleeping in the field and the host of angels coming and the wise men giving gifts and seemingly like it's just this incredible great celebration. And yes, it was in heaven. I want you to know it was largely missed on earth. For thousands of years, I'm going to be honest with you, since the very first Christmas, year in and year out, since that very first day he was born into the world, there's been the truth be known, most people missed the, 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 the magic of Christmas. Most people missed the angels singing and they missed the host celebrating but I want you to know that don't mean it wasn't true. That don't mean that God didn't take on his humanity and lay down his deity and knows everything that you're walking through on a very intimate level. And my advice to you today, my, my hope for you today is that you would come boldly to the throne of grace and you would find peace in your time of need. Maybe that for you today is, is salvation. Maybe for you today, that is, I, don't, I need a relationship with you. If I'm honest, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. If I'm honest, it's just not there. And I would invite you to say this, Father, forgive me of my sins. I recognize that the presence of God is here. 
And I also recognize that I, I've been far from him. So today I confess my sins, that I'm not good enough, that my greatest effort on earth is not good enough, that my sin has separated me from God, and that, I, and that the Bible reminds me that all have sinned and fallen short, and the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So today I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior, and I'm going to follow you as Lord of my life. Thank you, Father, for seeing me in my greatest time of need. And Father, I pray for every other person in this room under the sound of my voice, those listening online. I, Father, I pray that you would step in and do what only you can do. Father, I pray those who, who just can't feel like they're measuring up, they'll never be good enough, they'll never, they'll never accomplish, they'll never overcome. God, I pray that they would be reminded that they are overcomers in the name of Jesus. They are more than conquerors. They are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Not through their effort, not through their righteousness, but through the righteousness and the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Jesus, that whatever the enemy would come in like a flood, that you would raise up a standard, that if you are for us, who could ever be against us? I pray as we step into Advent season, as we step into uh, to passionately and joyfully waiting the presence of God on this Christmas season, I pray that the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit would be evident in all of our lives. Oh God, that you would get all the honor and all the glory out of every circumstance. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate Jesus today? Come on, he's worthy. Thank you, Lord.